from Florida's capital city. This is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio. And, of course, War Chant TV. Hope you guys had a great, merry, merry Christmas and wonderful time with your friends and family. Let's hope that was the case. Not Christmas, whatever it is you celebrate, of course. The same to all of you. And uh, I can tell you that it is good to be back on the air with my brother Tom Wang. We are broadcasting here today in Tallahassee a little earlier than normal. So this is recorded. Let's get that out of the way right off the bat. But it is recorded same day and just a couple of hours before we ordinarily go on. Had to do it because we're going to be making our way to Orlando to cover Florida State and Oklahoma for the bowl game, obviously. Looking forward to it. And on that note, let's do it right out the top here, out the gates. Uh, We will be joined by our friends at the Battle's End for a block party. Let's start in order of operation. Warchant.com and the Jeff Cameron Show live From the Harry Buffalo, tomorrow from 1 to 3 p.m. That's Wednesday if you're listening to this at a later date. 1 to 3 p.m. live at the Harry Buffalo. That is 129 Church Street. You guys can see that if you're watching the video. But if you're driving about and on the verge of leaving town to head to Orlando, that's the locale. 129 West Church Street. Probably best just to do what everybody does now. Type in Harry Buffalo Orlando into your phone. Boom, pops up. Follow the uh, trail of gold to the uh, Jeff Cameron show at uh, Harry Buffalo. And then note that, again, our friends at the Battle's End are hosting a block party. Right after we get off the air, we'll have a meet and greet for anybody that's there. Just sort of a, hey, good to see you in Orlando, everybody. Thanks supporting. uh, Thank you for supporting what we do. Let's have a beer together. Let's talk about what a splendid season this has been. Florida State's 9-3 and three on the cusp of going 10-3, and three, and some details about how they continue to bolster their roster forthcoming. So we'll do that, and then that will bleed right into that free block party that the Battle's End is hosting, uh, and we are joined with them. It should be a good time. Live music all throughout the rest of the evening. It's 4 to, like, really late, 12 a.m., 1 a.m., whatever that might be. You'll hear Cole Taylor. You'll hear Tyler Reeve, and the headliner being jake owens so if that's your cup of tea and even if it's not i would think it's a good time at the harry buffalo as you are gathered together with seminal faithful in celebration of turning the corner and uh, i'll remind you throughout today's show again location times all that good stuff but uh wanted to get that done here at the top just to let you know so that you could make plans accordingly all right so it's been a busy time we've had a few days off that has been nice really anymore, as we've discussed before, with the transfer portal, with early signing day becoming the most important of the signing days, uh, 
with practices leading up to a bowl game, additions to the roster. There is no real day off. You get some days away from the uh, on-air broadcast, but obviously we were continuing uh, to, to keep our focus on what Florida State's doing, and they did something big again. And, Tom, I'll bring you in here because I think it's important to note not just the player, but Florida State is becoming now uh, villainous amongst uh, rival teams. And I enjoy this. I've wanted us to put the black hat back on for some time because it's always an indicator uh, that things are going well. I'll bring that up here in a second. First of all, uh, Merry Christmas, brother. Good to see you again, and uh, hope you're well. Hope you had a good one. Hey, man, I did. Merry Christmas to you. There was a lot of good football, a lot of bad football, but victorious football for our Tampa Bay Buccaneers as that was uh, – Stayed up and watched the whole thing, buddy. It was forgettable, but you know what? The last 10 minutes were actually fairly exciting. Anyway, uh, just looking forward to being in a short week now for the FSU game because yeah. – I love watching this team, and I'm going to keep yeah. saying that all week long. I love watching this group. I wish they had four more games, five more games. I do, too. But this is the last one. And, uh, you know, sometimes a bowl game when you don't make a playoff or a New Year's Six Bowl, this is like our previous life before we sucked for a long time. Uh, sometimes they're an afterthought. And then there are other ones that are a total celebration, even if you don't reach those plateaus. I recall back in 2010, uh, when we were in the city of Atlanta for the Peach Bowl, the Chick-fil-A Bowl against yep. South Carolina, it had a very similar feel to this week and to this year's bowl season, which is it's nice to be here and it's nice to be on the way up. Well, I think to your point, you're announcing your renewed presence. Definitely. And I think, you know, that is really the feel. If we were going to discuss Florida State, it's the time of the year where we're certainly reflecting and looking forward both and kind of having a year-end summary uh, as we get set for 2023 and what awaits. I, I think that is the greatest way to describe it or the best and most apt way to describe it, and that is that Florida State uh, renewed their presence on the national stage and that they, uh, they kind of said, hey, we're back. Sorry, we were stumbling around in the dark for years there, guys. I don't know what happened, but uh, that's behind us now. We're going to be moving forward as a competent, fully functioning operation with an opportunity to perhaps kick our way through into the top 10 and become something of significance in the 2023 season. I think that's what this year has been about. It's been a year that was greatly anticipated, one that culminates now in this bowl game that we're talking about, but one that we really entered into with an awful lot of hope, but also apprehension. And if you think back, the hope was both, I think, probably entrenched in a belief in the coaching staff, first and foremost, in Mike Norvell. I think that's where it started. The idea that we saw Mike and we saw the way that he coached and we saw how hard he coached and we saw an overriding belief in what he was doing even in the midst of great adversity, even in the midst of setbacks and losses, including one that is uh, in the annals of worst losses in Florida State history, right? So even amongst all of that, we kind of realized, I think, collectively, at least it was my opinion, I think you shared it. Certainly, we do the show every day together. We get a good idea of where we think you know each other's heads are at. But I know it's true for the vast majority of the people that cover this team, whether it's for Warchan or any other outlet, uh, you know, we all interact, we all talk, we all kind of compare notes uh, to two varying degrees. We all certainly know each other going back a long ways. And it's always fun to kind of pick others' brains and even have disagreements and go through the process of kind of vetting 
where do you think the program's at? What you think of a coach, a segment group, a potential for a win-loss record in a particular season, all of it. And it seemed to me that collectively most thought, yeah, this is the guy. He's a good coach. But, but, and there was a big but, dot, dot, dot. Admittedly, it's not really about your coaching acumen always. It's not really necessarily about whether or not you seem to have your ducks in a row and you're organized. It's not really about whether or not you've been able to get the team to buy in whatever mantra you're preaching, whatever uh, core beliefs you have. It's whether or not all of it comes together to equate to victories. At some point, you got to win games. And I felt like coming into this season, this was so much about, well, I mean, there are so many caveats here, and they're not excuses per se. There are reasons as opposed to excuses, but we are kind of running out of ways to describe why it is Mike Norvell and his team haven't won games. And at some point, they were going to have to win games. So we had a belief, but also a real fear that if it didn't happen, that the ship had sailed, Tom. And that was really the concern that what if you don't get a signature win? What if you don't have a signature season? What if you don't have a moment that galvanizes the base, that galvanizes Florida State? I, I liken it a little bit to politics in a weird way, and people who know me know I loathe politics. Uh, not a fan of politicians in general. I happen to know a lot of them, unfortunately, but that said, <laughs> uh, the, the weirdest thing about it is that you can find a candidate. I don't care if you're a Republican, Democrat, Independent. You can find a candidate whose core beliefs are similar to yours, whose methodology, the way that they work on a day-in, day-out basis, the way they interact with people, the way that you believe uh, their beliefs are rooted in something that's real and lasting. You can find that person. It's hard to do. Uh, you can find them warts and all and say, I believe in that person. But then you can look at them and say, but they can't win. They can't win. They're not going to win office because of this, 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 and this. Unfortunately, this isn't going to work out, even though I think that's the woman or that's the man. I had that feeling coming into this season with Mike Norvell, like, oh, man, what if it doesn't happen? What if he doesn't have the moment where everybody gets in line, where everybody agrees, where all of a sudden those that were doubting come over to your side? Those that were a little unsure and skeptical decide that they too now believe because they have hardcore evidence of that. And that's what this season had to be about. Thank goodness it turned out to be that because you can, you can, you know, you can take the weight off your shoulder and set it down now. I don't know that there are too many, there may be people who don't think that long-term Mike Norvell is going to win a national championship. There might be people who have real question marks about his ability and his staff's ability to recruit the high school ranks. It's a fair criticism at this point, you know, to the level you need to, to win a national championship. There may be people who criticize um, some of his theatrics or immaturities, those moments that you see on the sideline for a young coach after a big play or a win. That's all well and good. Those are nuanced discussions about what a guy is or is not, but it's not an overreaching conversation about uh, coaching ability, organization, uh, opportunity to win long-term. I don't think anybody discounts that Mike Norvell is going to be a winning coach here now. It's just a matter of to what degree. And yeah. that was the se that's what this season was, man. Yeah, and what I'd say, just to speak frankly about when we hired Mike Norvell, my hope as you know, an alum and a fan of this program was that at minimum you've got a guy who could set the table. You know, and if that means that somebody else has to push you all in and, and win the pot, then so be it. But we didn't even have ourselves in position 
with the end of Jimbo and, and Willie's brief tenure, we were getting out of position worse and worse and worse. It's almost like yeah. running a hundred meter dash and you just fall flat on your face. There they go. And where, where are we? Our, we're scraped up. Knees are bloodied. Our face is bloodied and scarred. And there they go. They're running the race and we're falling behind. And you have that feeling already. And it's enough. It's too much to bear when it comes to conference payouts and TV revenue. You're falling behind. No matter what you do on the field, you are falling behind. So don't let the actual program itself suck on top of the fact that you're not making any money. That's how you become Nebraska. That's how you become the Cornhuskers. And you're forgotten for the better part of 30 years. That's how you become Miami. And I didn't want any part of that. So my hope was, at the very least, this hire could be the table setter that allows us to have the discussion of, can he get the job done? Can he finish the job? And we're going to have, at minimum, I think, those discussions at this point. So for me, there's relief. There's just a relief. I get that we feel the pride. And I think that's going to kick in even more that Labor Day weekend before we play LSU next year, because that Vegas over-under total, assuming there isn't a massive amount of injuries in, say, spring football or something along those lines, is assuming we're healthy with the roster as they've constructed it, that number's got to be 10 or 10 and a half, I feel. It's got to be, because the ACC schedule is so weak. So you're going to thump your chest a little bit more then. This week, though, I'm just like, whew, okay. Now we are going to have a discussion in the next two or three years, I think, about can he finish the job rather than can he do the job? Yeah, it was important. It was hugely important. And I think in, in a moment of reflection, this holiday season, we've kind of sat back and really thought about a lot of things, whether it's our finances, our family, where we're headed in our career, whatever it might be. But also you think about your favorite team. You think about your professional teams, your college teams, uh, whatever it might be. If, you, if your children play high school or middle school ball or whatever, you think about all these things and assess and some are more important than others, obviously. But I, I think if you're listening to this show and you're a passionate sports fan and you love Florida State football, you know that this is this is a high on the list of things that you think about. And I was getting tired of thinking about how we were also Rams and, and how we were insignificant in the world of college football. It just never felt right. It's always very frustrating. I know that's that pride kicking in as Knowles. We all kind of want to bow up and be able to have our place at the table. And at a program like Florida State, if your ducks are in a row and you are organized and you have people who are invested financially, emotionally, and otherwise, then you should win. You should win at the very least. Maybe not to the degree that we all want, which is national championship level expertise, but you should win. You should you should have a nine and three type season. You should shouldn't do worse than eight and four if you're organized and invested and operating, as I like to say, anywhere near peak efficiency. You should win. And so to see us stumbling around in the dark like this the last several years, that, that was just unsettling. And you wondered, kind of, we are we ever going to get it together? So in a nutshell, this season was about that. There's still some warts to clean up, some things we got to do better. It's kind of, uh, it's like getting yourself in shape, but you got to clean up your diet a little bit. There's a few things that you could cut out there to get even better. Uh, and I think, I think that Florida State's got that now, and we'll debate what those things are. Uh, if you're familiar with the exercise world, you know there's not 100% agreement on anything <laughs> amongst coaches and dietitians and everybody else. That'll be us as Florida State fans talking about what are they going to do here? I think we may agree on one. We may agree that, again, it's not dreadful, but it's not good enough in the state when it comes to recruiting uh, and keeping the five-star or high four-star players in the state coming to your university as opposed to Miami or Florida. Not quite there yet. 
that can improve. And if you're going to be taking steps towards competing for national championships, it has to improve. I think there are a couple of members of the staff that I would replace. We'll see if he agrees. He's got to make that assessment. Self-scouting becomes critical after a season like this. Self-scouting is always important. But I think it'll be very important for Mike now as he starts to eye his future. He's a young coach. I think he wants to win championships. I think he thinks of himself and uh, his staff to, to varying degrees as being that kind of program, that kind of uh, staff that can build to that. Um, you know, this is probably what he's always dreamt of because let's be realist now. No matter what he would have done at Memphis, you certainly couldn't win a national championship at Memphis. You were never going to get that opportunity. So you coached your ass off at Memphis. You won a bunch of games. You got yourself in a position to be hired by a school like Florida State. Well, you took that job knowing damn well, A, it was a huge pay raise, but a huge opportunity to win championships. And now we're on the cusp of no longer talking about, hey, can we just get clothed for the day? Can we just put on our shirt? Can we just you know do the simplest of things? That's all in the rear view now. Now it's about what do we have to do to be great? I don't know that the game itself that we're going to be covering in Orlando on Thursday matters. And I think I am one of the very few people uh, who are uh, aligned with Florida State who think that. And I'll tell you why in a second. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply the cameron show is a production of the warchant.com multimedia network check out warchant.com today for the latest news inside florida state athletics that's warchant.com now back to jeff on real talk 93.3 hold his poor and lonely heart i was talking about it before the break that i don't know that the game matters now i care I want Florida State to win. Ten win seasons matter. I heard Jamie Robinson talking about it yesterday. Like, you know, one of the reasons they're coming back to be brothers, to play together again, to build to something, all of that, while they figure out their NFL futures, if they want to leave now or maybe a year from now. And we still have that to talk about as well, whether or not Fabian Lovett comes back, Jared Verse comes back, Jamie Robinson comes back. We don't know. But they were talking about achieving a 10 win season and there have been 24 of those in Florida state history and they wanted to be the 25th. It is a big deal to get 10 wins. Uh, it seems to be that, that mark of excellence or at the very least uh, they are all considered plus plus seasons. If you could win 10 or more games. And I'd like that to be the case. Typically I look at the 10 win plateau when I'm, when I'm applying excellence to 10 wins, I'm not applying excellence to a 10th win in a bowl game but a 10th win in the regular season. So, okay. I mean, I still like it. It still counts. We'll still say we won 10 games if it happens, if they beat Oklahoma, 
doesn't mean as much to me as if you had won 10 regular season games. That's a very small margin of error to get to 10 wins in a regular season of a 12-game season. So uh, I think that's important. Uh, I, I, I do think that for fans in the moment, this feels really important. Like it's it's another step being taken. Tom, I would make the argument that bowl histories tell you otherwise. That you can go and win a big bowl game or win a game in a bowl. You can win it going away. You might win it 37 to 7. And everybody leaves the stadium chest out, feeling really good about where the program's at. But that game doesn't necessarily translate into anything early the next year. It doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't, there's it's not a catalyst for anything. You can lose a game like this as well. And if you do, people walk out of that stadium going, huh, I don't know, man. Golly, I thought we were so much better than that. How did we lose this game? It's embarrassing. It's a six and six Oklahoma team. They're missing players. They don't seem nearly as invested as we are. How could we lose that game? And to be sure, if that happens, and I don't think it will, but if it happens, there will be a ton of Florida State fans that are furious, pretty pissed, and they'll let that loss in an exhibition game in Orlando, kind of cloud what they thought the season was that they just watched. They just will. Fans are moody that way. Subject to the whims of emotion, perhaps you could say. Uh, I won't look at it that way at all. I look at this as a wonderful reward for the kids, a wonderful reward for the program that's worked hard to get itself back in position to matter, and it's already achieved that before this game even kicks off. Yeah, I, I'd agree. If you just look at the last rise of the program, and we talked about that last segment, that Peach Bowl, Chick-fil-A Bowl in 2010, mm-hmm. that was Florida State's 10th win. They beat South Carolina, another team in the SEC. It, was, it felt like another step because South Carolina, uh, they were the SEC East champions, I do believe, that year, and they had lost to, was it Auburn? I, I think that that's how that went in 2010. Mm-hmm. At any rate, it felt like this big step, and Jimbo had the post-game presser, the bowl you know, press conference. We understand where we're going. We understand where we're heading. We're doing it in the same. Well, they didn't win 10 games the next year. No. 2011, they didn't win 10 games. So it didn't parlay itself into the immediate return of the Jimbo era. That actually was a dip in 2011, that next season. And then in 2012, that is one of the most uninspired bowl victories you'll ever see over Northern Illinois. You know, that orange bowl felt like a chore more than it felt like a reward. And that led into 2013, which was the most dominant season I've ever seen in my life in college football, including 99, wire to wire. That looked different. 2013 looked way, way different. So you're right. It doesn't parlay one into the other. But I would say 16 and 17-year-old kids don't know that. 15-year-old kids don't know that. So when you have more talking points, when you go into a living room or to a high school to visit a kid, and you could say maybe two years from now, that we've had back-to-back double-digit winning seasons, the coolness factor doesn't have uh, source checking with high school kids the way you would vet something at a collegiate level or professional level when you're trying to take a job. Like You're going to vet a company very seriously. With kids, it's are you cool or are you not? We saw some of the lingering effects of not being cool and in in this recruiting cycle in 2023. So the more talking points you have, the more important it is. But I agree with you. That's not the traditional way to value this game. I'm valuing it from a a very different angle. Yeah, verbiage matters, how you're able to talk to kids and the kind of language you can use to to make it sound 
uh, even better than it is, or, or, or maybe even uh, if it's, if it's not considered to be good, you know, if you have other talking points to, to kind of offset that, I get that. I, I just, I think they've already achieved this year, what they need to achieve is my point. I'm kind of, I'm not throwing the caveat out there because I think they're going to lose. I don't think they're going to lose. I think they're going to win the game. I think all signs point to them winning the game. Now it could be end up being closer than we think, if only because I do think uh, Dylan Gabriel's a good quarterback can be, uh, they have enough offensive weaponry that perhaps they exploit a defense that I, I don't think Florida state's defense is nearly as good as some of the numbers suggest they are. I've, I've been pretty consistent about that this year. So maybe it turns into a high scoring close game. I, th- I think Florida exposed Florida state uh, quite a bit defensively. Um, and, and, and I think that other teams can do that. That's an area we've got to get better. That's a different talking point. Um, but I think Florida State's too invested, cares too much, too locked in, has most of their veterans, if not almost, almost all of them, uh, willing to play and play hard and practice hard in the buildup to the game. So all signs do point to Florida State winning the game. I'm not trying to set people up for you know, an easy or a letdown if they, if they lose the game. I'm just pointing out the achievement of this season cannot be altered by a win or a loss here. It doesn't change the way I think about the year uh, one way or the other. If they lose the game, I'm not going to be that upset. People will be pissed at me when I'm like, eh, they lost. (laughs) If they win the game, I'm not going to be like, woohoo, they won the game. Except for one thing. I like winning more than losing. I always root for my teams to win, period. And we have been owned by Oklahoma. It would be nice to get a damn win against my other squad. I, as much as I love OU, and for people who don't know, I bring it up often. I've got family members, multiple family members who've graduated from Oklahoma and family that lived in Oklahoma had a family farm in Okima. All of this, okay? I've got heritage there, <laughs> but I'm tired of losing to Oklahoma, Tom. Yeah, it's uh, one out of seven. One yes. win, seven tries. And the one, and the ones insignificant from like back in the '60s. Nobody even cares. It's like we, in any modern football game against Oklahoma, we've lost, including a national championship game that I attended, in which we didn't score a single offensive point, and we were the favorites. We also lost an Orange Bowl game to them after an undefeated campaign. I mean, that that they have, they have, they've hurt some feelings around here. They have, um, but you they were in attendance that famed night. Doe Campbell was a great game, but yeah. I mean, goodness, that is the best atmosphere I've ever felt walking into Doe Campbell. When you're talking about buildup, there was mm-hmm. no buildup like the Oklahoma game in 2011. That was absurd. Yeah, we get there very early for media purposes, or in those days we did, because uh, we got off the air with three hours to go before kickoff. Yeah, and you walk in. And it was probably two hours from kickoff. And we might have stopped by a tailgate for a beer. But it's more than an hour and a half. And that place was just so electric. It, you, you got the, the – everything stood up. Everything. Your yeah. hair, everything. You're just like, what is this? The students were there. That was not the case in those days. Students didn't show up early. But they were their, their whole section was sold out. That was really, really a fun day except for the results. So I agree. And I'm glad you explained Okima because we got an email about that during the holidays. What's the significance of the shirt or sweatshirt you were wearing that said Okima? So okay. to that uh, fi- fine listener out there, your problem is solved. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm going to hold this to a little bit more of a standard in terms of finishing the job and enjoying it. If they win, 
it's yet another celebration. It's a, a reward that they deserve. Yeah. And, and the thing I'd say about the game, just as it plays out briefly, I know they don't have either tackle. I know they don't have their starting running back at Oklahoma. The other advantage I think this defense has is the things that they set up, the motions they use, the misdirections they use. It's all very similar to what our defense sees every day in practice. You've got a mobile-ish quarterback. You've got a, a guy with a good arm, but you've got eye candy. They move left. They move right. They do jets and sweeps and counters and all kinds of stuff, and then they run a play off of the one they set you up with. It's exactly yeah. when they go good on good uh, in practice every week. It's exactly what Mike does. So they should be prepared. The one thing I'd say, though, is just because Jared Verse is playing, and I guess Fabian's playing, I'm not sure, but Jamie Robinson is playing. Just because some of these veterans are playing doesn't mean that they're going to be in for the full game. I, I'm interested to see if there's a pitch count for those guys or if they are, in fact, if this game's close, going to play start to finish. Because I wouldn't blame them and I wouldn't blame the coaching staff if they were going to rotate other guys in. There's a bigger goal down the line, and that's mm -hmm. next season and what you can accomplish not only in the regular season, but maybe you come home with a banner or two, ACC or otherwise, if you go get some of these guys more experience. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. Just because we have more guys active doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to play start to finish in this game. It is fascinating to see the substitution pattern, the total reps per player, and also what it will reveal about the players who do play not just the younger players, but those veteran players who were awaiting an answer from as to whether or not they're going to come back. Uh, I've begun to get a lean uh, over these last seven to 10 days that I'm starting to think, again, opinion, I've been wrong about some of these things. For example, I didn't think it looked good for us the last time you and I did a, a recording, a show together uh, for the young man out of uh, – Penn State, who, who had committed to Penn State, excuse me, and then ended up flipping to us uh, in the secondary. I didn't think we were going to get that kid. And now you got your safety, your up-and-coming kid from South Florida. That's, that's a big deal. That was a big get because he was wavering and it looked bad. And the delayed decision, all those signs pointed negatively to Florida State. At the end of the day, I think Mike Norvell had a lot to do with winning that young man over. Um, and I got to give my credit. I will once again repeat a couple of things. Mike Norvell is the biggest asset we have in recruiting, along with Alex Atkins. Mike has proven himself when impassioned about a player or frustrated about a set of circumstances. When he gets involved, it matters greatly. He's a good recruiting. Listen to every recruit that has said yes to Florida State. They may mention the guy that recruited him, but they also always mention Mike Norvell about how their one-on-ones, that passion was transferred. They could feel it. They believed in it. They understood what he was about when they sat down across from him. That has be proven to be a very big asset, so a little insight into that. But then secondarily, um, you know, I, I guess for, for me, when I think about Mike Norvell, Florida State, what they're going to do with the substitution pattern, who plays, who doesn't, those veteran players, if they don't play a lot, Tom, I think they're gone. I think you're going to watch them and you're going to realize those three guys in particular are gone. That they wanted to be there to practice with their brethren, to be a part of it, to help maybe get a 10th win one more time, suit them up. But if they come off the field pretty quickly and the game's relatively close, if it's tied or something, 
they're going pro. I mean, why would you come off the field if you went all the way to Orlando to participate and play and practice 14 to 14 early third quarter, 21 10, 21 17, early, and you take yourself out? Well, why even play? Yeah. I mean, you're either playing to win the game or you're not. So to me, I think that will be an indicator. I've had a feel that maybe those guys are going to opt for the NFL anyhow, but it's also true, and this is where it gets convoluted. So forgive me kind of meandering through all this. It's also true they may be so impassioned about playing one more game together. They've made a decision to go to the NFL, but they're going to play their ass off in this game together because, you know what, anytime you suit it up, week two, week nine, week 13, doesn't really matter. You could, you could get hurt, but you're never going to take the field thinking that. So maybe they, if they've made that decision to go over there and practice and play together one more time to get this 10th win, maybe they're all in and they're still going to leave. I, I don't know. It's hard, but I think that we've waited up to this point to hear – Jamie Robinson talk and to hear verse talk and to, you know, we haven't, Fabian Lovett wasn't available to the media. He's been awfully quiet so far since the season ended. I don't know, man. I, I, I get a feeling that the two of three are going to leave. That's the feeling. Well, if Jared, he, Jared versus the, the golden one here, because yeah. this is, this is the guy that you can't replace. I don't think with, um, without getting a little bit lucky because let's be honest, we expected Jared Verse to be a multi-year solution for Jermaine Johnson, not not a one-and-done type player. So the fact that he is even a, in a position to go right now this year to the NFL draft and get picked and say the top 50, I'll just throw a wider margin out there, the top 50, you got a little lucky there. Yeah, you did. <laughs> or maybe you got unlucky, depending upon your, your medium-term vision, if you're Mike Norvell. That's hard to get every year in the portal. And if you don't think, that if Florida State offers a defensive end out of the portal that nobody's heard of, that other schools aren't going to pay attention now and maybe up the game and up the price, then you're crazy. You're crazy because at this point, the reputation is out there that Florida State knows what the hell they're looking at. They know the type of player that can develop and turn into a, a top-tier product. And I'm not saying just Tennessee. I'm saying if I'm Georgia or Alabama or Ohio State, I am taking notice what Florida State is doing in the portal. So uh, Jared Verse is the guy to me that if you could get one of them back, it's not even close. That's the guy that I want back. And if there's a deviation here that you're thinking these guys are leaning more towards an exit, that that's hurtful. That, that, that hurts my feelings specifically in the way of Jared because I feel like when you're building that jigsaw puzzle to put together a run at a playoff next year, you got to have a guy like Jared Verse. I can tell you, Tom, and I'll tell everybody this. Um, I've been, I've had a pretty good hit rate on, you know, who's coming, who's not coming, all of that. I mean, to, to say that we've had a good insight and intel with with some good sources uh, throughout the latter part of the season on into the off season uh, is an understatement. We have, we've been very fortunate in that way. Uh, I know that it it it, it it changes every day. You know, amongst the three, it changes every day. So why do I bring that up? Well, you know, as we sit here on a Tuesday, December the 27th, feels like two of the three are possibly leaving. Uh, December 28th, I may get a text <laughs> that says something very different. I, it's changing all the time, and I find that fascinating. What it tells you is obviously the culture has been created here that guys don't want to leave. Guys don't want to leave. Come back and talk more about that in a second. Jeff Cameron, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant. 
TV. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. three guys that have an opportunity to go to the league in varying, you know, degrees of success in terms of draft slots. He, one's rumored to maybe be a first rounder. Others somewhere between the third and sixth round. Um, and none of them have definitively stated that they're taking it on down the road to pursue their dream when this bowl game ends. It does tell you that while they're undecided and maybe they're gathering all the information, certainly that's what they're doing, gathering the information. And uh, there's a lot to gather here because none of these guys are slotted in a way that's a guarantee. Like you don't see somebody saying Jared Verse is the 15th pick in the draft or is between 12 and 17. No, you see late first, maybe late second, early third. You, you see a wide swath of predictions when it comes to what number – defensive end he is that will go off the draft boards so it, it, it is varied and it's true of Fabian Lovett how people see him and, and and where he sits in the draft and Jamie Robinson whether he comes back or not uh, personally I think Jamie Robinson should go uh, he can't do anything to improve his draft stock in my opinion he's not going to get taller he's not going to get faster he's about as big as he's going to get uh, the play has been good this year you know, he hasn't done anything to hurt himself. So I don't know why Jamie Robinson would come back. If you want to, Jamie, that's great. But I don't know why he would. That said, the fact that they're wrestling with it, the fact that they're there practicing in Orlando, the fact that they want to play the game, they want one more opportunity to lace them up and wear the garnet and gold and compete together speaks volumes about the culture that we reference all the time as having been totally transformed. And it is one more time to point that out, that that is why they have a chance to offset the average recruiting that they're doing in the high school ranks. Because you get a lot of transfer portal players who upon visiting here and talking with this staff, and moreover, talking with these players, many of whom transferred in themselves, telling them repeatedly, this is a good place to be. He's going to take care of you. These guys care. It's fun to come to practice. The way we operate on a daily basis is successful. You'll get better if you come here. They'll elevate your stock. You can invest in Mike because he'll invest in you. And he walks it like he talks it. That's huge because right now it's the thing that is keeping Florida State in a position to sustain uh, a level of good to excellent that they have now acquired with a nine win season, hopefully 10 win season, because otherwise you'd be taking big steps back because if you had to wait on the freshmen and given uh, that, again, there's somewhat of a dearth of elite freshmen coming in as in guys that could come in and plug and play, then you would take a big step back. But Florida state's been able to, at least certainly, certainly segment groups have proven that, you know, you mentioned Jermaine Johnson last segment. I mean, who, who would have thought you would have been able to offset uh, what felt like a devastating absence, right? Jermaine Johnson is a first-round pick. 
Jermaine Johnson was our best football player last year. Uh, you would have said, oh, well, man, I don't, I don't know that they're going to be able to overcome that. And to some degree, they were still hurt by his absence. I mean, as good as Jared Verse was this year, he was not as good as Jermaine Johnson, in my opinion. So, you know, they have been able to sustain and build and move towards that, that ultimate goal of, of winning more games because of the transfer portal. The transfer portal wouldn't be so successful, successful for Florida State if they didn't have an existing culture that other transfers are now informing those transfers about. Yeah, I agree. And, and that's something that in general, it's a, it's an axiom of recruiting is that your best recruiter is the current roster that you have. You know, it's, it's not a coach, it's not a bag man, or in this case, a collective. It is when you're trying to establish credibility, it's all right, I'm visiting. Who do I get to hang out with? Who's going to host my visit? And what do they have to say? Because their opinion matters more than most others. Day-to-day life matters greatly. You know, again, to use the, the job analogy, when you're taking a job, if you know somebody who works at that company, you're going to sit down and say, hey, can I get you a round or three? Because yeah, I really want to know. I, I, yeah. There's some days I see you got a long face when we're hanging out at, on the golf course or whatever. What's that about? And am I, what am I getting myself into? So that's really important. And you're right. If you were to focus on where would Florida State be without the transfer portal, we'd probably be looking for a new coach unless we, uh, we went all in on the high school ranks. But the thing is now, it's, it's, it's an interesting race over the next two or three seasons because if I said to you, just openly asking, what is the average win total in the regular season for Florida State over the next three seasons? It's a loaded question. Next year, we feel like double digits is where they're going. But when you try to, try to envision 24 and 2025, that's more about high school recruiting than it is the portal because the portal is a great variable. Mm-hmm. The high school recruiting is going to tell you the story on 2024 and 2025 and I don't know. I, I don't know where this roster is going to be. So uh, that's something that's got to get a whole lot better. I mean, Hakeem Williams is going to be a really good player for us in 2024 and 2025. I think that offensive line is going to be pretty good, too. Who the hell's your linebacker? Who's going to be your rush hand in two years? Pat, what if Patrick Payton, you got to manage against the worst case scenario. What if Patrick Payton goes off next year and he decides, I don't need to do anything more? Who the hell is your defensive end moving forward? Who is that guy? So there's a lot of things that they've got to fulfill. Uh, in terms of the question marks in the medium and the long term. But for right now, the way the portal is developing and the way these guys are communicating to each other year over year, you have to almost pencil in maybe an ink that Florida State's going to be a badass in the portal until the rules change. Yeah, and I think that's why, if people are wondering, there's a lot of um, presupposing that is done when you get into a debate about the future of recruiting. I've heard a lot of people say, well, Jeff, you, you don't know. Like you, they hear me criticize the high school recruiting. They say, maybe, maybe high school recruiting isn't the future, Jeff. Maybe our guy is ahead of the curve. He, he might realize that, yeah, you need 10 to 15 really solid quality uh, high school kids to come in, but you can offset whatever you're lacking in the transfer portal. So if your staff is not an elite recruiting staff, but better at development, uh, and you're really good as the head coach of developing relationships through the transfer portal and assessing needs, then you can offset that, and there becomes a balance there, and then that's how you do it. may not be how Alabama does it. may not be how Georgia does it. But I would argue that I think it is volatile to try to have to live uh, in the world of transfer portal success the way that we've had to live uh, in the transfer portal success. We've done it. We've accomplished it. it, it, accomplished it. He's achieved it. 
he's really, his hit rate is phenomenal. I think you can argue that that is not sustainable. So, and especially because I think rule changes are coming. And I also think the very nature of the portal is going to shift now that the super seniors are gone and the money's going to change too, how this all works. So I, I would like to get back to a solid foundation of keeping in-state talent, elite in-state talent in-state and winning your fair share of battles against the two chief rivals in Florida and Miami. In the interim, this has been the right way to go about it. In the interim, he's done what he's had to do to make it work. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you and I were up against it and we had to cut corners and do something differently than the way we would like to build a program or build a show or build an audience, we would do it because we value our careers and you're going to do whatever you have to, to continue to further that and give yourself a chance to circle back and make right what maybe you had to pass over originally. And I think he's done that. So there's no problem with that. I'm not critical of that. I'm just saying that you're always trying to weigh and balance, you know, the successes he's having in the portal with the lack of success that they're having as a staff, certain members of the staff in recruiting in state. Yeah. Well, and if you could cut corners legally the way that they're doing, you know, it's within the rules, uh, yeah. cutting corners sometimes implies nefariousness, which is not the case here. No, no, no. Then absolutely. The portal has helped them establish credibility as a program, as a staff. That, that's what the portal has served to do. Now it could continue to provide the talent to put Florida state over the top year over year. That's going to be a tougher ask. The thing that I'd say is I, I don't like kicking the can down the road year after year and saying, well, you know, hem and haw. COVID was legitimate. And the, the legacy of that lasted two years in terms of creating sure. recruiting relationships. That's a real thing. And I understand somebody saying you're going to give them another year. You really I will say I'm very conflicted on this. They finally have the tools to go recruit with. They have the credibility yeah. that they couldn't get with the new car smell. The new car smells fake too. That's not a real thing. That's new, bright, and shiny. A lot of times it turns out to be nothing. Scott Frost and others. I mean, you know, so it, it can turn to be turn out to be completely fraudulent. Florida's hired a bunch of bad guys year over year or, or uh, term over term, where you're saying, you know, Jim McElwain had a new car smell too. How did that work out for them? Will Muschamp did, and he was a hell of a recruiter. But he still got fired. So the new car smell thing, you know, it does have an impact. But we all know that the sustainability of it is in year two or year three. This has kind of been an inverted development for without question. So, yeah, and it's fun to watch. It's fun to, to to see because it's a it's a new thing in this world. We've never seen it before. Right. And now that they have that, let's yeah. see what these guys can do next year. Most of them, at least. Well, they also have a new defensive tackle. We'll talk about him next when we start hour number two. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV.